Hello and welcome to Game Pass Forever, a standalone segment of the Outside is Overrated podcast. Each month, we discuss a game off the Xbox Game Pass lineup as voted on by our Patreon supporters. If you enjoy this content, please visit patreon.com slash oyo and pledge $2 a month to support the show. Outside is Overrated is presented by Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn, as in minnesota.com. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and we're excited to do something relatively new with this episode. We're still doing Game Pass Forever for two more months, uh, but we're doing the first of two parts on Lies of P. We've got the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. Yo. Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And friend of the show, Mike Mathwig. Evening. All joining us here tonight for this game. This month, we're discussing Lies of P by Korean developer NeoWiz. Released September 19th, 2023, Lies of P is the third console title by the developer. It has a Metacritic rating of 84 on Xbox. Inspired by Souls games and Lies of P, you play a dark version of Pinocchio on his quest to become human. The city of Krod has fallen to a robot, er, puppet uprising. You have to slay enemies. That was a funny joke. You guys can laugh. You have to slay enemies, find weapons, upgrade your skills. Thank you, Burns. And take down big bosses to build your stronghold and save the day. The core gameplay loop consists of moving down a corridor, killing all the enemies in the way, unlocking a shortcut to the end of that hallway, fight a boss, return to Hotel Krod to upgrade your stats and tools, and repeat for 28-ish hours. Burns. I don't believe this is hyperbole. You hate everything Souls-like with a burning, fiery passion. How desperately did you want another game to win our last Game Pass Forever title? Not quite everything. I do have a very soft spot for Bloodborne. Granted, I have not gotten anywhere close to completing it. But, uh, um, no, I, uh, I would have rather had anything else that was on the list last time win than this at this point. Uh, and jumping into this game for the first time uh yeah i was still a little raw from elden ring apparently and uh my experiences with that because uh i was very quick to anger frustration and madness uh jumping into this game yeah i i could tell i can get those from our text messages that we share back and forth uh (laughs) as we prepare for the show now casey you had just a ball a blast a ton of fun with jedi fallen order where you got stuck on dathomir your first planet away from home (laughs) and uh ruined the experience how was your second Souls experience, my friend. I'm trying to resist the urge to hate it. Great! What? Great! <laughs> this is going to be an awesome discussion. It's very tough. Um, yeah, I mean, so far my experience has been uh, a lot more frustrating than it has been fun. Awesome. Well, to counterbalance you two uh, wet noodles, I'm glad we have Mike here. Mike, you are a noted Souls enthusiast. How do you generally feel about non-FromSoft forays into the genre, and what were your expectations for Lies of P? They've varied quite a bit from the good, like Neo was pretty good, to really not good, like the first Lords of the Fallen. So, you know, it's hard to say. And with this one, it's a developer I know nothing about. I've never heard of before this game. And it's based on a 140-year-old children's book, so I really didn't know what to expect coming into this game at all. I don't think any of us did, but uh, the game was getting some good press coverage, and I was excited for a new Souls-like experience. Let's start by talking about the onboarding. Souls games are notoriously poor at getting players up to speed. Burns, did Lies of P give you the tools to jump in and start slaying puppets? Um, so I'm conflicted on this. It did, 
and it didn't. Uh, I think initially stuff is explained actually, I mean, better, I think, than Souls games in a lot of ways. Because it, with, like, Souls games, they depend upon a lot of the times for, like, hints of what are or explanation of systems. You just have to, like, touch the thing on the ground and it'll pop up. Um, and so you're kind of beholden to seeing that. At least that was a lot of what it was in Bloodborne. It might have been a little bit different in Elden Ring. No, I think um, it's but I consistent. still think they used a lot of that. Um, so I think the the problem that it ran into a little bit was that sometimes it would tell you some of this information. And there's a lot of other games that kind of run into this same problem too, where it will tell you a lot of things kind of like back to back to back to back, not necessarily when you're using that stuff. And so then it got to the point where like you're fighting the boss battle and it's like, okay, what, what the, what, what the heck other like abilities do I have other than the hard attack, the soft attack and the dodge, <laughs> because I didn't need to use anything else against any of these other enemies. And now I don't remember what the hell fable arts were. <laughs> and so I, I think that was, that was the one thing that I ran into. And it's not like, I mean, I played all of that within an hour, you know, from the start of the game to attempting to fight the first boss. And so I, I, you know, and, and like I said, there's lots of other games that make the same mistake uh, in like the tutorial section. Uh, so it's not like it's something that, you know, this new studio, you know, committed. That's not something that longer standing developers have made. Yeah, Casey, for you, this is like the third video game you've ever played. How was the onboarding for you? <laughs> I, I think it was fine. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Joey said, like where it just kind of. They flash like, oh, by the way, you can do this. And then, like, you don't, you're not necessarily using that skill right away when they show it to you. And then later on down the road, it's like, oh, crap, I remember. How do I do that? And, but, I mean, the controls are straightforward enough. Um, and, like, I remember that first boss fight. Like, I would perfect parry, perfect parry, perfect parry. And, like, the boss's health bar would all of a sudden be glowing white. And I'm like, crap, what the heck do I do? And like I tried, you know, figuring it out, but I couldn't remember what the heck to do when the boss's health bar is glowing white. And as far as I know, I'll never figure it out. I don't, I don't know, because it flashed that one time really quick. That I remember. You hold down the hard attack button, so the right trigger, and you'll do a strong attack that will take advantage of the stagger. And then it'll turn like it'll put like a red symbol on it, and then you need to do a soft, well, not soft attack, light attack. Um, to do a finishing move, which nine times out of ten doesn't finish the enemy, but it's just a strong uh, attack that takes a lot of health off. Yeah, it's kind of uh, one of the most important like mechanics in the game. It was featured prominently in the Game Informer article you shared, shared Casey. That was the uh, <laughs> stagger meter. I just remembered you, like... <laughs> the reason I shared that, like, I glanced over that article pretty quickly, but the reason I shared that was because you were like... Oh, you don't have to. You don't have to block in this game. You just run around and you roll and dodge. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, that might work on the first boss, but I promise you, there's a point in time when you're going to have to learn how to block and perfect block and do all the other stuff that this game forces you to do. And I disagree. I got through the white lady on my own merits with very limited perfect parries. But Mike, let's uh, jump to you here. You played 
I presume everything in the Souls catalog, everything in the Souls line, how is the onboarding of Lies of P compared to some of the other popular games in the genre? Well, because they were smart enough to not try to change up too many things or hide their influences, it was really easy to slide into. Because, I mean, you've got a red health bar, you've got a green stamina bar, you've got a blue magic equivalent, you've got a light attack and a heavy attack, you've got dodge as a circle... I mean, it, it feels like this type of game, and so you could just roll in and start paying attention to the world building and, you know, the details and, and fiddling with the stuff that is different, like the arm abilities and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was seamless, really. Yeah, I mostly agree with you. I thought they did a pretty good job. Brinzi, did you have something to interject? Well, I just had, it's a little bit of a tangent, but so I know Tom's mentioned it a couple of times, Mike, that you're a Souls enthusiast. How many times have you beaten uh, Elden Ring? 472. And how many of the Souls games have you platinumed? Because I, I feel like that's a good stat to help bolster your, your credentials in that in that sense. Well, I, I beat finished Elden Ring five times with five different characters, and I did platinum it, if that counts. So when I platinum, though, I mean, generally I only play them once except for Elden Ring. I played Bloodborne twice, though, to be fair. And I'll probably go back. I want to play Sekiro again sometime. Ugh. Now that I think I'm a little bit better at it. So, and I played all the major From games, plus the Neos and the Wolongs and the Steel Risings and Mortal Shell and etc. Well, if Elden Ring's at the top of the heap, like where roughly would you put Lies of P in like the entire stack of Souls games? Is it near the top, Ooh. middle, bottom tier? Like, um. It's not at the top, but it's certainly not the bottom. I'd say upper middle. It's a good version of this. It's just a little rough around the edges. There's just details that I think with more experience they could really improve and make a classic. But, you know, this is their first attempt at this kind of thing. So I thought they did really well when you consider that. Yeah, for a first attempt, it is pretty outstanding. Uh, just putting a final point on the onboarding, I thought they did a really good job, but like Burns isn't wrong. Like, there's a lot of systems. Like, I still don't know what the uh, what are the arts that you use the blue bars across the top. Are those the table arts? Table arts. Yeah, yeah I table. almost never use those. Um, when you start up the game, you choose an approach to combat, either strength, dexterity, or balance. Casey, what uh, what form did you choose for your beginning base? I went with strength. Um, it just seemed. I have almost zero experience with Souls games other than Jedi Fallen Order. So for me, I usually kind of go towards more tanky characters. So strength just seemed like it would be a good fit. And I don't know. I know you can change your weapons and stuff later in the game. So I don't know if like choosing strength gives you certain base skills. And then you can just kind of adjust the way that you fine tune your weapon later or what. But like, I don't know if maybe I'll just be able to switch if I don't like strength to a more dex style build in, in the future. I'm, I'm not really sure how that's going to work yet. Well, Burnsy, you and Casey are yin and yang, so did, uh, you go the exact opposite end of the spectrum? I, I guess I did. I did the dexterity option. The main reason I did that was because... Um, so there was, on like the Apple IIe, a game called Swashbucklers. And basically, oh. you, you play a... like. A pirate or whatever, and you basically just sword joust with people. I love your pirate um, arms right now. So, that was very illustrative. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because that's what you do in the game, and then like you basically put the the like sword up or down to block, and then like poke attack. Mm -hmm. So that the sword reminded me of like those types of rapier types of swords that they would use in those. 
So that's kind of what called to me. Um, it did lead me, though, the fact that it's like this is the dexterity sword, it led me to a gripe because it's like, okay, I, I selected this dexterity sword. So it gets to the point where it's the first time for me to level up. It's like, okay, let's pump up dexterity. And it's like, okay, yeah, dexterity is nowhere on any of the stat screens whatsoever. <laughs> and so it's just like, either use dexterity as like the stat or like, you know, say that this is the type of attack it is. What is it like modality or something like that? I can't quite. Technique is dexterity. Motivity is strength in essence. Got it. Okay. And and so it just like, (laughs) it baffled me because then it's like, okay, now I got to like move it around and look at what numbers get higher on there. And so um, that's like the first kind of gripe, like use the word and then putting in, like parentheses after it, like dexterity, if you're trying to get us to make that connection between the things so that it's not just completely obtuse when you get to that point. It is strange. They use different, like, we're all used to the D&D archetype for your stats, strength, dexterity, charisma, wisdom, intelligence, all of that. In Lies of P, it is motivity, technique, advance, um, I forget, capacity. Mike, what did uh what did you feel about their way of introducing these stats to us and the way they labeled them? I mean, there is descriptive, it kind of tells you what they are, but I agree they probably would have been wiser for the English language release just to use those words, you know, the the classic words rather than their own, just for the sake of being, you know, transparent. I mean, you I- figure it out pretty quick. I'm I'm a professional writer. I make my living with words. I don't know what the frick motivity is. Like I have no idea. It's like okay, well that's like the lightning bolt one. So I'll keep boosting my lightning bolt skill. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I do think that was probably a mistake in the sense that it just it added a little you know opaqueness that didn't need to be there. So Bernie, how did that impact your leveling up? I mean, eventually I just looked at. Once I figured out which one it was, that's just the number that keeps getting higher. So, all right, let's put more into that number that keeps getting higher. <laughs> <laughs> then, Mike, for you, when you started your character, did you go strength or dex? Uh, I chose the balance option because I figured I'd let the weapons I found decide which way I ended up going later on. Once I found a weapon I liked, look at the scaling on it, and then that's kind of the way I would go with you know, my, my further leveling at that point. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like, I chose balance. I just, because I didn't know what the choice meant. So, like, it's like, yeah, I want to be big and strong. But generally in games, like, I like to push the tempo and I like to be as quick as possible. So I thought maybe Dex would be a better fit. But, like, I didn't want to lean all in and then be, like, a weakling character for the entire game. So a quick question. With the strength weapon or the balanced weapon, I guess, when you do the heavy attack, does that do a bounce back also? Or is that only with the uh, the 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 dexterity option? I don't think the other ones do a bounce back the base weapons, if I remember correctly. I haven't used them in a long time. I almost, but I don't think they do. I almost never used a charged attack with the saber. And I use the saber for ninety percent of my time, so uh, I didn't set up a lot of critical hits. It's not even the charge attack. It's just just hit the heavy attack, and it it, it does like a jab, and then it, you jump back a little bit. Oh, interesting. It's interesting. No, it definitely doesn't with the strength build. The strength build is super, super annoying. Like, that first boss, I would block 
that I'm only able to get like one attack in, and if I like hit the button twice, it would swing twice, and then I would get hit on the second one every single time, and I couldn't throw another block in between there. It's like, <laughs> so I'm sure I have to increase my speed a little bit at some point in time, which I know we're going to get into how we kind of tried to upgrade, but yeah, like right now, the, the strength build for me, I think, was, was not a good move, because it's it's super, super frustrating, especially during boss fights, where I can only get like, I'm constantly, it's block, one hit, dodge roll backwards or sideways to get out of the way of his next attack that's coming. And it's slow, tedious, and not the way I like to play. Yeah, and it plays really well with your Twitch reflexes, too, I'm sure. Casey, I'm going to give you one piece of friendly advice here. Just restart. Restart with the dex option, and I bet you'll have a more positive experience. And while you're doing that, throughout the game, you'll find weapons, and you'll find and you'll upgrade weapons... And you'll mix and match the handles from these weapons. Like, you can take the blade from the saber and put it on the handle from the police baton and make a new thing. So I thought we should spend some time talking about the weapons that we favored. And Burns, we'll start with you on this one. I mean, I got to the point where I could buy the other starting weapons, but it figured, like, that would be a waste of ergo at that point. So, um, I will say, compared to, like, Bloodborne, the weapons at the start of this game are a bit underwhelming like granted like i do kind of like having the swashbuckling sword but i think with bloodborne specifically and i think FromSoft does this in some of their more recent games maybe not as much in elden ring but like they had some crazy unique weapons especially in bloodborne um and having like it the switch weapon so you have almost two different attacks with each one of them i think was a really interesting thing and that's something that drew me into the game when i first started playing it um which with lies of p it's just like okay it's these three swords that almost look exactly the same when you're like looking at them on the little uh you know tabletop when you're trying to choose which one it is uh so it's just like i don't know i think that's one thing where i can kind of see like why FromSoft makes that type of a decision um, and part of that might be maybe just comes with experience also, but it's it's definitely something that like draws you into it. It's like, okay, this is something crazy that I've never seen before. This this saw cleaver. Uh, how do I how do I make this work? Um, that seems interesting and fun. And then as you get moving on, you unlock like the Kirk hammer and some of those other things too. Um, now I'm guessing as you get deeper into the game, there's probably a lot more interesting and crazy uh weapons um that and that's probably going to be more interesting once i would get to that point but the initial selection was a little underwhelming casey have you gotten to a point where you get to mix and match anything yet or change any of your weapons up no i'm pretty much the same spot as joey on that where you know i saw the vendor where you could buy the just the base base weapons so i didn't feel the need to, to switch anything up yet so i know like in the future, I'm hoping there's there's something that is better. I'll say my piece, and then Mike, you can go on a dissertation about uh, the wide variety in this game. For my part, I'm roughly, I'd estimate I'm 60-ish percent of the way through the game. I'm on Rosa Isabella Street. I found an array of weapons, maybe a dozen or so to alternate between, ranging from the big, heavy, slow things to very small, very quick weapons. Uh, I used the saber about 90% of the time early on. A couple of times when I'd struggle with bosses, I'd try different things. I had to use the police baton to beat a dude with two shields because he just seemed a lot weaker to blunt weapons. Um, 
And then eventually, I discovered two elemental weapons, the uh, Acid Sphere and the Fire Dagger. And the Fire Dagger was sweet. I'm always partial to fire damage, but it was so... The reach was so short in it, like you had to be right up on somebody. And one thing that I really appreciate in this game is taking the blade from one thing and the handle from the other. There's a big, slow pipe wrench that you find, uh, which looks cool, but it's way too slow for my taste. So I took the dagger, fire dagger blade and put it on the big handle. Now that's like my long reach fire weapon. And I use it primarily everywhere I go. When I need something a little quicker, I still go back to the acid sphere. But I found... The elemental weapons are very much to my taste in this game, to the point where when I found the respec tree, I'm like, oh yeah, let's let's pump up our advance and really maximize that elemental damage. Mike, your thoughts on the weapons and some of the combinations you found and used through Lies of P. Yeah, uh, looking at the list, there's 40 weapons all told, I believe, in the game, or 42 or something like that. There are a lot of weapons for a game this size, so... I was constantly swiffing around and just trying different things out because they give you a lot of weapon upgrade material. So you can upgrade everything, you know, up to a certain point without even spreading it. So I fiddled with a lot of weapons. And eventually I think I finished out the first playthrough using a, a great sword, the uh, seven coil spring sword, which has a great special. But I used probably a dozen weapons easy at various times. So. There's a lot of really cool stuff. There's an umbrella sword. There's yeah. a, several giant hammers. There's a spike club I love. The umbrella sword. There's is that one of the special Eater. ones from, uh, what's his name, Aladipo? Aladaro. Uh, uh, Aladaro. Uh, what, um, he offers you special weapons throughout the game. After you beat bosses, you get a special ergo that you can trade in. Which of his special weapons would you say is the most new player friendly? Oh, um, hmm. I would kind of say the the the, the seven coil sword is pretty darn user friendly, and the uh, holy sword of the arc you get from the archbishop fight is also really pretty user friendly for people that are using big weapons. Um, for smaller weapons, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I was mostly using heavy by that point. One thing to remember: puppets are generally more susceptible to blunt damage and electricity. So if you're fighting a puppet boss and you're struggling, if you have a weapon that's blunt and electric, it really will help. Yeah, I'm going to have to change it up. I'm stuck on the uh, big, dumb cloud puppet on Rosa Isabella Street right now. and I've my... oh, the, the one who does the spinning attack and has got the uh, giant fist he flings at you? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, that, that's, tough. that's a tough place to fight him. Go past him, save past him, and fight him back there if you can. It's much easier. Oh, interesting. I've been dragging him back down the street. Like, he rolls the big fireball down, and I, like, I pull him down that way, so it's just me and him, and I have to retrieve my ergo, which I've had to do, like, six times now. It's a pretty yeah, I did that, too, but uh, if you go past him, there's a save point, and then you can just lure him back there and fight him without all that other nonsense and stuff. So Nice. All right. Well, we are full of tips here. Throughout Lies of P, you face an array of enemies from common melee opponents to bigger units, mini-bosses, and full-on, like, FromSoft-inspired bosses. Casey, did any of the encounters that you faced stick out to you at this point so far? No, not, nothing yet, other other than being, for me, stupidly hard. <laughs> Casey, you need more speed. Like, you gotta ditch the, uh, the big heavy weapon. Like, you gotta... Find something that is smaller and quicker and gives you a lot more mobility. That is my advice for you, my friend. Bernsey, any positives from the enemies so far for you? Um, I mean, the first boss fight is definitely a Souls-like boss fight. Uh, so 
like I think one of the biggest frustration points uh, with like the very beginning part of the game, because really up through the first boss fight is basically a tutorial. It seems it seems like you know, um, which which isn't atypical of a lot of games or even really Souls games because a lot of the times the first like area that you're running through is really just getting you acclimated to what the game is. Um, but it's just like all of the enemies in that first area are so easy. Like it's a cakewalk to get through all those puppets and, and really even past that first boss, um, which is the puppet master. The first time you fight him. Cause I think he comes up again later on. Um, Parade master. Oh yeah. Parade master. Sorry. That's right. Um, and so it's just, I, I just wish that there was like a little bit more, like there's like a kind of a mini boss sort of in the leading up to the, the parade master. I wish that was a little bit more difficult to kind of get you sort of into that mindset. Um, Cause it feels like remembering some of the other souls games I've played, like those mobs are usually, you know, even though you can get through them relatively decently, they're still usually pretty difficult before you even get to a boss. Like, especially Demon Souls, the remake, when I played that, like, I mean, I got destroyed by just, like, little, like, peons um, yeah. because of how they attacked and, and how you would get combinations of them. And it feels like in Lies of P, it was, like, three, four quick attacks and they're dead. Three, four quick attacks. And it's just, like, bam, 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 bam. I just rolled through everything. And then I got to the Parade Master and it was just, like, oh, no. Yeah, you're you're not just getting better at Souls games. You just weren't challenged until this point. Now, like, let's fight this boss 40 times until you can beat him. <laughs> it's funny that your solution to make this game more enjoyable when it's already, like, one of the toughest things I've ever like ever encountered in a game is to make it more difficult in the beginning, which I get it. It's, it's a soul's like, and we're going to, you know, get into it, I guess maybe a little bit, but like how about making it less difficult, <laughs> you know, the, you can have the peons that you have to fight the tutorial up to the boss still be weak. And then that first boss, maybe just not be quite so GD hard, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's ramp into it a little bit. Let's, you know, by the fourth or fifth boss, maybe then we can start like kissing people off. But instead of like, I'm four hours into this thing and I don't know if I ever want to play the goddamn thing. Again. <laughs> so. Burns, given your experience with Elden Ring, how much do you think Casey would enjoy Margaret, the fell omen? <laughs> I mean, you'd hate it. Like, you know, I mean, the Parade Master, we all beat him, at least, or it. I don't know, them. Um, yeah, it took me like 16 times, but, you know. Yeah, cool. yeah. It took me, I'm pretty sure it took me more than that, so don't feel too bad about yourself, Casey. Um, granted, some of those were just, like, rage encounters, and it's like, oh, the beginning didn't start right? Okay, just kill me. I need to restart. Um, and so, uh, but, yeah, I just feel like it's just, like, Something with like that whole like phase could just be a little bit more could just be a little bit better to help ease you into that or build you up to being a little bit more prepared for that that boss fight. And I don't know how to phrase this without being a butthole to you guys, so I'm sorry. Uh, That's fine. But I found this game up until the end of the cathedral to be 
much easier than a lot of the Souls games. Like, I got through the Parade Master on the first or second try. The first boss that really slowed me down was the Archbishop. Do you still use the sprite every single time on the bosses, though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so, like, if you, I mean, which is, it's a great mechanic to make it a little bit easier. But, like, no other Souls games have anything even close to that where, like, oh, this boss is really difficult. Like, let's have a little right of yourself running around the battlefield to distract the boss. Yeah, Elden Ring does that. Um, <laughs> sorry, Elden Ring does yeah, it and yeah, what was that, Mike? Never, never played it, but... Uh, Dark Souls feel, 2 feel also like... has a lot of NPC summons you can use for bosses, too. Sure. And I think Dark Souls 3 has yeah. some, too. As well. So I wanted to transition... I guess, Go ahead, well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a little bit... I guess I was a little bit more prepared for this just because I've played some of these games before, um, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, Casey. Um, but yeah, I still would say Elden Ring was more egregious just because when you get to the first boss fight, you can't beat them unless you're like insanely good at the game because you're probably under leveled for that encounter with Margit, um, which is a lot of the reason why I ended up not playing much more of that game because, you know, trying to wander around and level up was just frustrating and annoying. And to be honest, when I got to the parade master and like, I'm sitting there trying to figure out like what strategies I need to use against him. Um, like I was starting to feel like this might be another thing like that. Like, hence why I took an entire week off in between the first time I played the game and the second was because that entire week after that, it's like, I should play lies of P and you know what? I felt exactly like I did in college when I had an exam paper or a term paper I had to write. And it's just like, ah, I don't want to do that now. I'll do it later and, and, and push it down, kick it down to the can or kick the can down the road as far as I can. Um, that's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> now, you know, once I finally beat the parade master and could get past that point, um, you know, I think things got back to that point where, you know, you get your little bit of lore dump, which is always good for me. Um, and then after that point, even, I think a lot of the mobs were pretty easy to get through. Um, and it wasn't until you get to the rooftops where they throw weird combinations of things at you that, um, I wouldn't even say that the enemies there are difficult. It's just the way that they array them um, and the things that you have to do to try to get through them is a little bit more complicated. But it still is really just like a couple of jabs and you, you probably kill all of them, um, except for the few of them that are a little bit harder that are usually transitions between zones or whatever. Well, it's kind of the war of attrition, and like that's what makes the Souls-like formula so intriguing for me is incremental improvements. Like you learn where the enemies are, you learn how you pull them in little bits so that they don't. Um, uh, oh, Burns, you're so distracting. I can't look at that. <laughs> Sorry. And so, like, you make these little incremental improvements. Like, oh crap, they ding me this time. Oh, they ding me again. I'm out of uh, the batteries or the Estus flask or whatever the resources in this game. And it's like that's the hook for me is like figuring out those different. Um, enemy arrangements and making little incremental improvements and seeing if I could push it just a little bit further the next time to make it to the next stargazer to make it to the next boss and like that's that's really the hook for me and it's like sometimes it's like well I got through that encounter but I'm completely out of healing I don't see the stargazer so I'm just going to reset hopefully I can level up and then we're going to try this again and try to be a little bit more efficient next time that's really where my love of these games comes from 
Yeah, and I can understand that. And I think it's just it, it really for me it was just like how big of a ramp up it was to the puppet master and then like trying to get our parade master, excuse me, I keep sorry. <laughs> I keep I keep kind of mixing those two words up. But but yeah, that was that was really the biggest frustration that I ran into other than just maybe a few other things that we'll get into as we get uh, a little bit deeper on into our discussion today and you know in a month (laughs) and going back to my point i found that at least early on the bosses in this game were significantly easier than some of the other souls games that i've played mike do you agree with that assessment is this game a little bit on the easier side of the soul spectrum or does it ramp up like crazy at the end like i'm certainly being pushed to my limit now in the rosa isabella street the white lady the stupid clown dude like i am facing some skill checks now but early on i was rolling through this I feel like the regular enemies and regular areas are a little easier. I don't feel the bosses are, though. I thought the bosses, a lot of them were really difficult. Interesting. Uh, because I'm never good at this at perfect parries. I had the same trouble with Sekiro, where it's about parrying. And I have to find ways to do it that don't involve much parrying. So you really have to learn the bosses and the dodging and the attacks, yeah. you know, time windows. Because I just, I'm just not good at parrying. I don't have the, the fast twitch. So I have to find other routes to do that. Yeah, I'm gonna say most both. of the like, time. I just try to run around to the backside and get as many crits as possible. Yeah, and I, the only way I could beat the puppet master, and I, I suck at the actual parrying part of it, like the attacking after you get the block. Um, but I had to try to relearn how I approach these games by actually blocking. Um, you know, without having a sword or, or a shield, you know, I mean, I got used to that when I was playing Demon Souls. Granted, that didn't go super well either. But um, <laughs> I, I think it was one of those things where it took me a while to kind of get into that mode where it's just it's not the best option to always just dodge roll away. Um, and that, that sometimes you really do have to block in order to create an opening for yourself. And if you time it right enough times, then yeah, you can get the stagger on there, which I think I got a stagger in once on the parade master. But then I like was so surprised. I couldn't like do anything else after that (laughs) other than just be like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So, but, but yeah, but when I finally beat that guy, I sent you guys the picture of it. Um, Maybe like five HP was all I had. Like there was the slimmest amount of red on my health bar left when I beat that guy. And it really just came down to, I had, you know, maybe a 10th of my health bar left and it's just like, okay, I just need to melt the guy and hit him with as much stuff. And hopefully an attack doesn't kill me because I just need to be done with this guy. (laughs) Yeah. More aggression is usually the answer. Uh, out mm-hmm. of the common mobs that stood out to me, there's some creepy babies. I thought those were kind of interesting. Like they come crawling at you and they usually have some clever traps that they use with the creepy babies. So that was kind of fun. There's some kamikaze like little girls. That's kind of interesting. And out of the boss fights that I've been through so far, the Black Rabbit Brotherhood was just really cool. This fight, like it's a group of four siblings and you walk in and you start the fight against this big beefy dude and you get him down to X hit points and the sister jumps in. And then you get him down to Y hit points and one of the brothers jumps in. You get him down to Z hit points, the third brother jumps in. So, like, you have to decide how you're going to prioritize your attacks through all of this. And I learned that, like, you have to kill those ads, like, right away. Like, let the other dude wail on your specter. Like, you have to deal with those ads because otherwise, like, you cannot 
process four people on the battlefield with you all trying to kill you. Like that was a very challenging fight, but I just I loved the flow of it and how the other siblings would roll in. Yeah, I mean that that sounds interesting. I mean, there is a good chance that as I get going, I can find a little bit more of a groove. Um, and maybe it's just finding a weapon that that vibes with me more, or at least my playstyle a little bit more, or getting some of the blocking down a little bit. Um, my second sort of foray into the game was definitely less rage inducing than the first one for sure. Um, and, you know, I started to get into a little bit of a rhythm. So I'm hoping that that continues to carry forward through uh, more pieces of the game. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I hope you can get into this because like, I think that this is a Souls-like game that you could really enjoy, Burns, because the story is pretty interesting. We'll dive into that more a little bit. Mike, you have... I... Oh, go ahead. I, was, I wanted to give one piece of advice I have learned about the blocking. If you're going to try to do the perfect parry... It works better if you block a little earlier than you think you need to, and then hold, don't try to tap at the exact right moment. Go a little earlier and hold it. There's a little bit of a delay, so hit it earlier and then keep your finger down and hold it longer, and you have a much okay. better chance of the perfect parry. It's not Sekiro where you just have to quick tap with an exact rhythm. It's a little different timing. And that's interesting. What I've found with a lot of my blocking, I suck at the perfect parry. Like, I'm really bad at it, but I will almost always uh, start my block as soon as they start their motion of attacking. And a lot of the enemies have, like, a delayed attack. Like, they'll have this big, mm -hmm. exaggerated swing. I'm like, oh, crap, I started way too early again. So I drop it, and then I tap it again real quick and try to get it right before I impact. And that seems to help. And at least usually I have my uh, block up for an attack and don't eat a ton of damage that way. Well, Mike, you played this. Um, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to jump back on because we were talking about like the types of enemies. Um, that is one thing with the very early parts of the game also. Um, it feels like in a lot of the other games that I've played with this, there's a little bit more of like a wow factor to some of the like the designs of the enemies that you're fighting early on to kind of draw you into it. And while it is kind of cool right away at first when like the first puppet that you fight is basically a policeman-looking puppet that has a go or stop sign, and he's attacking with that. And it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. But then eventually it just, like, you fight, like, five of those, and then you fight another puppet that looks kind of similar. And then, oh, it's another puppet that looks kind of the same, but he has a gun. Um, and, and it's just, like, it feels like in a lot of these other games... There was more kind of interesting and varied types of enemies earlier on too, which I think also helps to just sort of engage the player and in interest a little bit more, um, which is another thing that I kind of bounced away from a little bit at the start of the game. Um, like I said, wh where I ended up stopping is where you start to get into where like they're throwing bombs at you and, and, and you got the guys that just sort of do the charge attacks at you. So, you know, it's starting to get more into that where you really have to think about positioning and when you need to go and when you need to dodge types of things. Um, so that's some more engaging stuff, but it's not like the the enemies themselves um, look interesting yet. But a lot of the stuff that you were mentioning does sound like it's a little bit more intriguing that way. Yeah, the mobs more definitely... Varied. The mobs definitely get better as you press further into the game. But Mike, as someone yeah. who's experienced this entire game, seen all of it, you're on New Game Plus, Like, what are a couple of the highlights that stick out from the different enemies, whether bosses or standard mobs? 
Well, I really like the boss designs for the most part. I the 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 weird policeman puppet with the spinning head, or the the archbishop who is absolutely horrifying, or there's a there's a guy called Champion Victor who's a, a basically a wrestling champion that you fight much later in the game. Just really great designs of most of the bosses. I, I really think they they kind of knock the design aesthetic uh, out of the, out of the park. And the basic enemies they're fine for the most part, but they're not too fancy. Although it does get better once you get out of the city the first time. But I love the boss designs. Yeah, they're pretty remarkable. Uh, one of the ways that this game takes inspiration from FromSoft is the use of a prosthetic arm similar to Sekiro, which we've already referenced a couple of times. In Lies, they're called Legion Arms. Mike, which uh, of these Legion Arms did you favor, having sampled the full suite of them? Oh, it, it's the puppet string. The puppet string is actually overpowered once it's fully maxed out. It really is. It's absurdly useful once you can have its full ability set. Well, is it uh, overpowered or like they all super powerful once you have them maxed out? Because like I use the no, Flambridge no. for life and like I love that thing. I think half of them are really strong when fully developed and half of them are decent when fully developed. The Flambarge is really good. The Aegis Shield arm is really good. And the Puppet String is really good. I didn't think the other ones really are up to that level even when fully developed. So... As you're developing and leveling up the weapons, um, do you get more uses out of it too, or are there ways that you can do that? Because that's one of the things is you know the first one you get is kind of like a it's very much like the Sekiro uh, like grappling hook a little bit, but you can use it to pull enemies towards you. Yeah. Um, but it's like you get five uses, and then it's like okay, well I've still got all this health and all my health pots, so I guess I just won't use it until I find another stargazer. I guess so. It, th is that something that pretty quickly you start to unlock more uses of that or ways to regenerate uses of that in between going to the Stargazer? I'll try to answer that first, <laughs> and then, Mike, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, the way you get more use out of your uh, arms is uh, through advancing your – or leveling up your advance skill. That's what controls your Legion points. So, like, I use the Flambird, so, like, However long I hold down my flamethrower, that's burning my legion point by point by point by point. So if you put more points in advance, you have more legion points to spend. And I don't know if they get more efficient as you level them up more so that you get to use it more. Uh, but for me, that's one of the reasons why I so desperately wanted to respec and put more points in advance. Got it. Well, plus, as part of your uh, character development, you can spec for things that, like, you get an automatic regeneration slowly of your... Legion arm, oh, or I you get uh, Legion arm energy back when you kill enemies, or you get a natural bonus to your Legion arm energy. It's all part of the um, quartz. Like did you know the name of your develop? Yeah, it's the P organ. I'm afraid, but uh, like a lot of the choices there can can you know affect how you use your arms and stuff depending on what choices you make. Um, do you use your P organ without your arms? <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> I mean, I can. I'm not going to be. Why do you want to go down that road? <laughs> uh, so, how do we each structure our? Well, Casey, I didn't give you a uh, chance to answer this. I'm sorry. I just rolled into the next thing. That's all right. It's not very exciting because I didn't really do much of anything um, yet. I, is the is the puppet string the one that you get right away? The, the arrow and yep. string thing. Yeah. So, so that's all I've gotten the chance to use so far, and I haven't been able to level it up to them. Just not that far into the game yet. Yeah, you need to change up your build. You need something with more speed, my dude. So uh, speaking of your I don't, build, I don't how... Agree, actually, because 
I beat that first boss with a heavy sword. Your, your answer is jumping heavy attacks are really effective. And when you're using heavy weapon, you're not aiming for anything except trying to get stagger. Because if you build up stagger, those heavy weapons, once you stagger them, do really large damage on that fatal attack. And can you, so do you can use a heavy? Can you do stagger so without perfect parry? I'm sorry, what was that, Tom? Can you stagger without mastering the perfect parry? You can. It's just not... With a heavy weapon, you can. I don't think you could do it with a lighter weapon. But the heavies, if you're using heavy attacks, you build up stagger fairly effectively, even without the perfect parry. It's still slower, though. If you want to really be good at it, you need to get some perfect parries, too. There's a grindstone, which you can use on your weapon, which also lets you perfect parry for a period of time after you use it. And for a heavy weapon user, that thing is critical. Oh, good to know. Yeah, I haven't found um, that yet. Yeah, it's it's a good thing I forgot what you know how to stagger after my the <laughs> life bar gets white. You know, so that's, <laughs> now, now that I remember, now that you guys told me how to do that, maybe it will actually be a little bit easier next time. Casey, you're one of the smartest well. people I know. Like that's not hyperbole. You're a very smart person. Like why didn't you just Google what the white health bar means and lies it be? Like why didn't you just, like, just touching your phone all the time, right? Like why didn't you just Google it? I don't know. Like it was probably just sheer frustration and like I don't know. I just tried to I tried to just brute force my way past it and then when I hit that level cap and was like, ah, son of a bee, like it wouldn't let <laughs> it, you, you max out at level twenty and they won't let you go any farther. They actually force you to, to like there's a level cap how to how to beat that boss. There's a level cap at the uh, master? Oh, wow. Yeah, so e each phase, like you, so what I did, because I couldn't beat that boss, I'm like, screw it, I'm just going to, like, go backwards. So I spent, like, two hours just, like, so going back, getting as much ergo, ergo, yeah, yep. uh, as, as I could to level up. And I just leveled up, and then it told me that I couldn't use the Stargazer anymore at a certain point. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that was awesome. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so I... Uh, yeah, I just did that, and then like, what really helped on that first boss was the vendor sold a electric grinder, or, you know, like that yep. imbued your weapon with electricity. And I was like, well, that can't be a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought one, and I used it, and I was like, holy crap! Like, I noticed my damage like significantly increased. So then I bought three, and then I think I yep. beat it. Boom fights later, like I, I was like, well, well. That was the key the whole time. <laughs> they they give you a lot of tools in this game. Like they really do. Mm -hmm. And like puppets so the puppet master would be weak to both lightning and to um blunt attack. So if you use the police uh baton that you get from defeating that sub boss earlier, it would chew up his damage a lot a lot quicker. One of the things that I had to do to get through the Black Rabbit Brotherhood, like I had to load up on my throwables and like the last sibling that came out, like I just pelted with thrown items because like I was out of flamethrower by that point and I just, the only option left was just to chuck at him and, oh man, 4706. Uh, just chuck stuff at him and uh, hope that it worked out. <laughs> Thanks, Burns. Um, so Casey, you hated your build as a straight tank. Like, do you think that you're going to try to push forward with this build where you are in the game? Or do you think that you would have more fun trying to go back, restart the game with like a different setup? Oh, I, I think I'm just going to try to keep going this way and just try to get better because 
the thought of going back to the beginning and even though I'm only just past the first boss and like into some of the next corridors and stuff, I'm <laughs> the thought of going back and trying to beat that and trying to relearn a new build, which probably isn't a whole lot different, but trying to do that again just does not sound fun at all. So uh, <laughs> forging, forging forward with what I have, I think is, is going to be the way that I go. It's interesting. I mean, I did a very similar thing to what you've done when I first played uh, Dark Souls. When I really got into Dark Souls, the very first time I started as a pyromancer, I had just a stupid, terrible build. And like somehow I managed to get past the bell gargoyles by just bashing my head against the wall a million billion times. Um, but eventually, like something clicked, and like it's like the I did end up start restarting eventually, which isn't always an option when we're doing podcasts like this and we're on a schedule. But like you are working on an evolution of like your gaming style here. So like even though this sucks and even though you're frustrated, like you are getting better at this game. The fact that you progress past that first boss, like you are learning and evolving and like it will serve you in any souls like game in the future. So that that's something that you can hang your head on, as frustrating as this experience has been. Yeah, and that's a lot of like what these game designs are all about is trying to like get you to learn through failure, right? Um, it's just how frustrating does that failure get and how much does that get in the way of your enjoyment of the game, um, which is why I always bring up the frustration to fun sort of ratio. And when that starts to go way too much towards the frustration, then it's hard to play the game anymore. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, Casey, uh, I'm, I, I'm guessing you noticed it but i'm not sure if you did because i forget about them a lot of the times but a lot of times you'll find in the environment like uh ergo crystals or various different sizes of them and then when you consume them it basically just gives you free ergo i don't know if you notice that or them or not but you, that's a good way to sort of get more of that when you need the ergo to either level up or buy something yeah like if you're just a hundred or two hundred short of a level that's a great opportunity to pop those and get yourself over the top they give you a huge amount of those things huge yeah i've been using them okay stop so I, I don't hoard them at all the second i get them and i, I usually you could maybe hoard them a touch more than that bernsey what kind of a build did you, you do and what gripe does that lead you to for this game <laughs> i mean it, like like I said earlier, it's really just right now I have the one weapon that I'm using, and so what are the what's the one stat that makes the damage go higher on that weapon? I've been increasing that, and then I've been increasing my vitality so that I have more health. Um, so now I probably will want to try to bump up the advance uh, stat some more, um, knowing that that's what affects the arm and getting more out of using your arm. And once you find elemental weapons, like that also affects all your elemental damage. Like maybe, maybe you want to build it now. Maybe you don't for my build. I did mostly motivity early on, plus lots of health and then capacity to keep my movement as quick as possible. I made a note here that I wanted to put more points into advance, but eventually you find a tree that lets you respect for a resource. And I'm like, that was the point where I finally got my advance up. Like I managed to grind my way to that point, largely with the saber. And then, uh, I got to the respec. I'm like, awesome. I have a couple elemental weapons. This is perfect. Advance, advance, advance. Now, so what, my gripe that I had at this point was, is there anywhere, because I know in in both Bloodborne and Elden Ring, there was a button when you're in the menu looking at the stats that you could click, and then basically you could highlight pretty much every single stat, and it would break down what that means and what that affects. 
Is there anything like that in Liza P? Because I tried hitting like everything when I was in that menu and I couldn't find anything that explained a lot of that, which is why I had to learn from Mike that advances what, you know, handles the arm and everything. And so is there is there something that allows you to look at that and what those all mean? I don't think so. That's one of those details. Like that's one of the rough edges I was thinking about when I said that was they don't have that that extra information on the character screen that from has learned to, you know, give mm-hmm. you to make that learning easier that, yeah. that they don't have as far as I can tell. <laughs> they don't make the games as easy as from soft. That's uh that's, <laughs> that's a condemnation. If I've ever heard one, uh, Mike, what did you focus on with your builds? Uh, Cause eventually I found myself liking the heavier weapons. I was finding better. I started, I rolled into motivity with an, a little bit of technique, so I had some flexibility, plus capacity, just because the better equipment you find for your character is heavier. So you just had to keep kicking up motivity so that you didn't get too heavy. I tried to keep it below 60% at all times, so... Yeah, and, like, it's it's surprising that I cared so much about capacity, because, like, I've never truly worried about how much stuff I was carrying in any Souls-like experience, except for this one, because they make it very clear with, like, you equip this new frame for P, like, it's like, oh, oh now you're slightly heavy, now you're very heavy. It's like, oh, that's going to improve, or that's going to change the way that I move, and for me, these games are all about movement, so, like, capacity was very important to me. Well, we move on to what... I view is the most important part of the entire experience, the narrative. Bernsey, you are narrative lead for Outsiders Overrated. It's the most important part of pretty much any game for you. Did Liza P strike a narrative chord with you? So, like, very instantly, like, the the uh, sort of setup of the out-of-control puppets is interesting and, you know, fits with kind of at least the general sense that someone would have about like Pinocchio and the story of Pinocchio or whatever, you know, um, which is, you know, it's in that, that's like intriguing. Um, after that, it kind of, after that very initial sense, you really get into the whole, uh, con the, the, the very specific souls, like drip feed of a little bit of stuff here and there and here and there and here and there. Um, it was interesting that you don't really get any information or like a first cutscene of the game until after you beat the first boss. I, I feel like a lot of the other like souls like games that I've played tend to have a little bit more of sort of those narrative hooks earlier on um, other than just, Hey, come find me. And then the you know, puppets are out of control. Yo, <laughs> and then, and that's all you had to get through kind of the first boss. And so, you know, I would have liked a little bit more seeing as how I tend to be drawn into the narrative more than anything. Um, once you get to Hotel Krat and you're able to get a little bit more of that and you get kind of that next sort of nugget um, of what to go after, um, you know, that's a little bit more intriguing because I'm interested to see what happens you know, once you find what that next step is. Um, but I think a little bit more of that, maybe a little bit earlier, could have been helpful to sort of help get through that first hurdle, now, in Bern- my opinion, anyway. Bernsey, I think you'll enjoy the story as you get more into it. Like, I, I've enjoyed the story and the pacing so far. Casey, I appreciate that you're trying hard not to hate this experience. What I'm reading from you is a lot of negativity. Did the narrative uh, provide any counterbalance to your frustrations with this game? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, the narrative, the little bit that I've gotten so far seems awesome. And the boards, the builds itself, like the actual, like the setting that you're in is is really cool too. You know, like, and I think they, they did a really, really great um, with, with the design of the game. Well, that part of the game I actually think is is really cool. I just wish that I was better at it so I could enjoy it a little bit more. <laughs> sure. Well, Phoenix watched me play for like 10 seconds. She's like, oh, Robot Uprising. I'm like, yep. Well, yeah. Well, that part of it has definitely been done before. But like, it's interesting to think about how we fit as one of the robots or in this specific instance as a puppet in a puppet uprising. Overall, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm expecting like a big twist at some point. Like, I don't know anything that's going to happen in this game, but I assume that we're going to find out that Chipato is an Gosh, I'm going to have to edit so much in this one. Um, <laughs> in that we're going to have to like probably murder all the humans that we've been hanging out in this, with in the stronghold. Uh, Mike, your takes on the narrative for Liza P as Burns is my favorite co-host ever. I really like the story. I like what they did. I mean, you're the only one who's far enough to have kind of got past the pup up, puppet uprising into the petrification disease portion and the way they they link those two together and what they do with those is really interesting i thought as the story progresses well that's fascinating like they've mentioned where i'm at right now they've mentioned the petrification disease like everyone is talking about it but like there's no uh hint as to what caused it or how they're linked so i'm glad that i'm like right there because i think that's going to be awesome the other thing i really like is these NPCs that you meet, a lot of them have their own little story arcs, and they do a really nice job in, in fairly small story arcs of giving them personality and some interesting development. I mean, Alidoro, uh, Vanini, uh, the weapon lady, what's her name? Eugenie, I think her name is. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even the butler at the hotel actually has something come up with him that's interesting. Plus, like, the two NPCs you met, the... Uh, what was it? Cat and Fox, I think they are. They have an arc, too, if you you know kind of follow through with that, too. So there's just a lot going on that they layered in that really adds depth to this world and to the story that they're telling, which still revolves around your character as Pinocchio and what happens with his development. But all this other stuff really, really, you know, adds a lot of, of you know, flavor to the world. So is this truly a Souls-like experience if you don't have to go through multiple wikis in order to understand what's happening and watch like somebody do a three-hour YouTube video explanation about what all this means? Like, is this is, is this is this actually a Souls-like game? <laughs> it's a little less obscure than normal. Although honestly, there's some stuff that you I didn't learn until the second playthrough. For example, okay. I don't know if you know. I'm trying to think if either of you have seen it. Tom will have seen it, but a couple of the bosses actually talk to you, but you don't understand what they're saying. It comes; they oh, have yeah. a on-screen dialogue that's just you know gibberish. Yeah. Second playthrough, you get an item from Vanini, then a second playthrough translates that stuff for you, and you can see what they're saying. Oh, interesting! And that is really kind of interesting and adds quite a bit to those fights the second time through. Yeah, because I the definitely first... noticed that with the parade master. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the first first boss. You, you have that like we're just across the bottom of the screen is like who knows what language near the end when you're at the final level there's a place called the beach and it basically it really does make uh you know your character's story very i shouldn't say very clear but certainly more clear than you're used to in this style of game we put that 
Interesting. Well, Mike, what are your initial impressions on the overall package of Lies and P Lies of P? I really like it. I think they did a lot of things really well. Like there's rough edges. There's no doubt that there's things they could have done better. And I just hope that they make a sequel and that they, you know, sand down the rough edges and build on what they've done here because there's a lot that they've done that I think could really make a great follow-up. Quick uh, follow-up question to that. Do you want a sequel to Lies of P or do you want another Souls-like game from NeoWiz? Well, see, there's a there's a post-credit scene that I would love for them to do that as their sequel. I'm not, I don't want to say what it is in case you actually get there and see it because I want you to get to it clean, but... Appreciate Man, that. I Thank really you. hope that's what they do for their sequel. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Casey, you're it's a little It's a little mermaid, isn't it? Dang it, I knew it. <laughs> yes, Ariel's <laughs> out there just kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> awesome. Casey, your take on the overall package of what you've experienced so far of Liza P. I just, I want to smash stuff. That's, that's, that's <laughs> like your TV or like mobs on the screen or could you be no, a little bit like, more specific? I want to I want to be Hulk and I just want to smash. I don't want to like be forced to block and like perfect parry and time everything perfect every single time. It's like with Fallen Order, you had to do some of that and I appreciate that, but like it didn't seem as punishing. Like if you if you miss a block, if you miss it, like. That first boss, if you mess up on it, you're dead, and you have to start over. You know, it's it's so far, it's it's just not something that I'm enjoying at all. And like, I just I know that's what these games are. They're supposed to force you to learn. They're supposed to force you into a certain game style. They're for, you know, they, and and I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe I will as I continue to play this, and I will appreciate you know the frustration and like. <laughs> getting by it you know getting past things the, the reward that comes with that i don't know but like there's just a certain group of people who love these games and just that i i don't understand it yet so that's where i'm at well casey i'm so surprised and especially with the perfect parry like i've known you to have stellar twitch reflex literally our entire lives we've been friends for a very long time so i'm surprised that that mechanic hasn't really clicked with you but also you don't have to take every attack from the enemies on the chin like i spend most of my time figuring out ways to maneuver behind them and like get critical hits it doesn't work for my strength build like i can't physically get behind like i'm not that fast so maybe that's as, as going more balanced that you know like i can i can duck roll and actually like i'm I'm very good at the well, I'm not very good, but I'm good at the perfect parry. Like it's not, it's not that difficult for me, but it doesn't do me a whole lot of good if I perfect parry to the point where I'm able to stagger them, and I don't know how to stagger them. You know, so sure. Well, you have a couple so, of things to work on, like work on that mechanic specifically, and pump some points into capacity so that your movement speeds up a little bit. And like, I feel like you have all the tools to really enjoy this. And like, I know that the narrative would draw you, so I'm just. Like, I know Burns is a history of Souls game, so I didn't expect an entirely positive experience from him. But you, with more of a blank slate on, I think it's more just once you get past the learning curve of this style of game, like, I think there's going to be a lot here for you specifically to enjoy. Yeah, I, I think I just think it's, like, it's a little outside my box, you know? Like, I just like to, I don't like to be forced to play a game a certain way. I You know, if I... 
a little bit of forgiveness would be great, and there's just no forgiveness in these types of things. Like I just want to, like I said, I just want to smash stuff. I want to go in there and I want to not have to block. I want to beat a boss with just quickness and. Well, dude, that's what I do. Like you're not being forced to play like block and stagger attack. Like there are other tools at your disposal. It's like you need to start working yeah. towards those things. Uh, eventually, I know. I don't know. I think eventually you need to know how to block and stuff. But yeah, maybe not quite as you much as I have. Are you guys using your fable I mean, it sounds like nobody's using... Are you guys using the fable arts? Because it doesn't sound like anybody's using their fable arts, and you really should. Uh, almost never. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty sure you, I have no idea how to do that either. When you go to the hotel, if you exit to the right side of the hotel, there's those practice training dummies. Use the yep. practice dummies to learn your fable arts for your, whichever weapon you're using. And figure out the most effective way to use them because they can be really, really useful when you're struggling. Yeah. And you activate it by hitting y. either the yeah, Y button. I wanted to say triangle because I'm just in PlayStation <laughs> right. mode, but the Y button or oh, you hold okay. um, the block and the Y button. Exactly. They're each each weapon has two fable arts, and which one they are depends on whether you're holding R1 when you hit the button or not. Here's the use the practice dummies to learn how to use both of those abilities and it will make your life a lot easier. Here's the reason that I never use them. Like it takes some time to recharge those. And so I don't know the most optimal time. I don't know how long it's going to take to recharge. So like I have basically saved them for boss fights and then forgot that they exist. You recharge them by blocking. <laughs> oh. And by doing damage. Okay. Well, and there's items you can take. I'm good at one I, of those I things. I didn't know that. <laughs> I use those all the time, actually. I just didn't realize that's what they were called. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That, yeah. yeah, that's good. So, because so I have, I have been using those. Because, I mean, some of, them, some of them are defensive. I mean, there are fable arts that are entirely defensive. Like, there's some that allow you to basically tank a big hit. You know, things like that, which can be helpful, too, if you're struggling to block or dodge a certain attack. You know, use your fable art to tank it, and you take very little damage. You know, things like that. Just learn what your fable arts actually do what the timing of them is using the, I got to use the practice dummies. They're, they're so useful when you're learning new weapons. Yeah. Even I ran old right past just, them. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll figure this out. Change as you change your weapon. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Every weapon. I mean, there are some that are, you know, you'll find the same fable art in various weapons sometimes, but they're different from weapon to weapon, especially the uh, more powerful one is usually different for everything. And especially on the, the more powerful weapons, some of the fable arts are really strong. Well, there's a growth area for me too. I'm uh, excited to learn how to actively play this game efficiently. Uh, I think this game, well, Burns, let's get your take on the initial package, your initial impressions on the overall package, and then I'll say my little thing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely fluctuated as 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 my experience has gone on. Um, I so I was very careful when we first were texting about the game. Cause I really didn't want to poison Casey um, uh, because yeah, my first session with the game was extremely negative, like, like overwhelmingly negative to the point of, I do, I tell Tom, I can't play this game anymore and he needs to find someone else or just pull Mike along for the whole ride. Like that's where I was at after that first session. <laughs> well, Burns, I appreciate your thoughtful approach. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I was checking you guys like time played on the Xbox app, like a very uh -huh. handy thing there. I appreciate your open mind to this. Do you think it was more Elden Ring backlash or do you think it was shortcomings of Lies of P 
for you? Like, I know you had a lot of frustration with Elden Ring. Yeah, I, I think I, I, some of it was definitely backlash. And, like, jumping back into a game like this, it was, like, instantly... It, it was a much quicker to frustration, um, you know, when stuff would happen uh, that, that I didn't like. Or I was definitely much more critical of a lot of things... Uh, early on, I think because of because of that, um, so I think that definitely did play into it a good amount. Um, you know, as I got you know through that next session of playing, like I started to find a little bit of that groove um, and started to get you know once I got a little bit more of the narrative and and a little bit more sort of motivation as to what I'm working towards. Um, I think that helped me. And then I think just that second area as you're like moving out from Hotel Krat, um, you know, is a little bit more Bloodborne-esque with how you're moving around um, and finding different paths and so on and so forth. And, and then finding the like secret passages back um, definitely helped a bit um, to just sort of get an idea of like knowing how to navigate and knowing what you needed to do. Um, so I think that definitely did help. Um and I think this game also does some really, really, it does some really interesting things that that help to make the game more, like more user friendly. So most boss fights, if you die in the boss fight, it's yeah. going to drop your ergo outside of the fog instead of every other Souls game. You have to jump in to get it, and then either fight and win or die, and then you just got to go back in and try to pick them up again. Uh, some of the games you had mechanisms to teleport out after you got your stuff back. So I think that was really nice that it drops that down there. Um, when you run out of, and I can't remember what they call them in this game, but basically your healing item, when you run out pulse of that, uh, what was it? Pulse? Pulse cells. Pulse cells, yeah. So once you run out of those, um, if you do damage, you build that back up and get another use of that. Um and so it, it 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 was interesting because it made you I think it made you approach like the healing a little bit differently. So in other games it was like kind of wait until you desperately needed to use a healing to jump back up. Um and with this it was more so I'm down to half, I'm gonna heal back up to full, down to half, heal back up to full. And like you were kind of like always healing at that midpoint because then it's like I'm gonna get the most time to try to earn back that last health sort of potion to or the pulse cell to to be able to heal back up if I need it again down the line, um, which I think is also interesting because otherwise you really didn't have a mechanism to do that at all in the other games. Um, so I guess in closing for 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 this, um, I do think that this is definitely it seems to me anyway, and I know there's been a little bit of divisiveness online as to what people think of Lies of P. Um, it does feel like something that Souls fans um, like really can sink their teeth into to get their fix of masochism until FromSoft uh, comes back to uh, be their daddy again. <laughs> I don't know about being my daddy, but I think this is a great option for Souls fans. I am really yeah. enjoying the Lies of P experience. I think it's just, I think it's awesome. I think it's very bloodborne and I'm having the best time. I'm so just bummed that you two are having such a negative experience with it so far. So, Bernsey, what are you yeah. looking to accomplish in the next month with Liza P as we lead up to our final Game Pass Forever segment in December? Yeah, I mean, 
my my hope is that I'm not getting as angry as I was and frustrated and hopefully getting into more of a groove. Um, I do feel like I'm still sort of 50-50 as to whether this is a good option for people that um, either haven't played many Souls games before um, or are kind of mixed on the genre. Um, a lot of the senses that I have early on is I know a lot of people have compared it to Bloodborne um, and a lot of aspects of it just feel like they were trying to be like Bloodborne but didn't quite get there in a lot of ways. Um, but that's not to say that as the game moves on, it's not going to, you know, sort of change that or move away from that or become its own thing um, that can kind of stand on its own and not be compared in a lot of ways to that. Um, so yeah, we'll see if I, if, when I put more time into it, uh, hopefully I'll be able to have a little bit more, um, more positive experience. And Casey, you've been very studious throughout this hour plus that we've been talking about Liza P. I've seen you jotting down all these notes. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in a much more positive month of Liza P? I, mean, I, I'm just trying to get to a point where I can appreciate the difficulty more than anything. Um, you know, just we'll see what happens now that I, you know, if I can work on stagger a little bit, and as I get a couple more weapons, hopefully things will open up a little bit more, and it'll be not quite as frustrating for me. Um, and if not, then I guess I'll go back to Monster Hunter Rise and play a game where I really like the combat aspect and. And try to beat all the five-star town quests. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't see you ever going back to do that, but I appreciate the sentiment. For my part, I... I don't know. I mean, if I play this game again and I put another four or five hours into it and I'm still at the point I am right now, there's really no point in me continue on. And I know, like, we have a whole month until we record again. So if I'm going back to play a game, it's going to be Monster Hunter Rise since that's the most frequent one that we just played. So there's... Unless this game really turn, turns around for me, which I hope it does because the narrative and everything else that goes along with it seems really, really cool. So I'm hoping that, that I can get into it and, and get better at it and advance farther in this game. I really, I really, really do. I, it's, right now, it's, it is a super frustrating experience. And I know I've been the Tom of 10,000 tips, and that must be exceptionally irritating for you, but I really encourage you to try to take some bite-sized chunks of this, like probe a little bit forward try to explore an area a little bit then uh just warp back to the stargazer make sure you don't lose that ergo because like losing your resources for leveling up sucks and just like take small bite-sized chunks try to play a little bit every day and just push a little bit further each time just keep iterating and building on it but don't become a slave to oh i died and dropped 500 ergo somewhere and i need to try to get back to it it's way far away if it's like a smallish amount at some point that becomes too small to really worry about. If you get back to it, great, but don't try to sacrifice everything to try to go and recover because that number 500 earlier on it is a lot, but eventually it's not much at all. So that's another well, thing. Cause I know I've, I've fallen into that trap before with souls games where it's like, I desperately need to get back. I can't lose a single soul. And it's just like, no, you, you have to sometime let bygones be bygones and move forward. Yeah, I mean, I've already kind of learned that because 
as you are trying to go and get that, it, the more you get hit, the less ergo is there when you pick it up too. So like the full amount is not always in that either. So like if you are getting getting hit on your way there, you're not going to have almost anything left by the time you get there anyway. So it's I've I've learned that along the way already. I've noticed a ton of degradation there. Like I maybe I just don't get hit much on my ergo because I'm very very safe. It's like if I don't. I'm constantly running backwards if I, if things are turned against me. It's like, all right, I'm going to get as close to that Stargazer as I can to make this as easy to pick up. Yeah. Interesting. For me, I hope that I have the chops to beat this game. Like, I am looking forward to this next month. Uh, I'm unemployed at the moment, so I have a little bit more time to play games than I usually do. And I'm like, well, I hope that I can see credits roll on this. Mike, having beaten the... the one thing... The one thing I saw, just to, just to sort of put a button on what you just said, the game definitely does continue to ramp up the difficulty as you move on in it so just gird your loins for that tom i'm always girding my loins burns you know that (laughs) mike having beaten this game and being on new game plus like how long are the legs on this thing for you like how much more time are you going to put into lies of p having already experienced the whole story one time well i'd like to at least beat the 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 final final boss because there's it I don't know if you guys finished Bloodborne, but you know on Bloodborne the ending, there's a choice you can oh, make that depends. It. it affects who you fight at the end. No, we didn't finish so it. We have no idea P- what you're talking about. Oh. Lies of P has the same thing, where what happens at the end of the game and what you do, there's decisions to be made, and which choice you make changes how that happens. Well, I wish I had made a different choice the first time, because apparently, and I had to look this up, the, the final secret boss is much, much, much tougher on New Game Plus, and I'm really struggling to beat him. So my only hope is that I can actually beat him and see, because I'm really curious what the other ending is. The first ending was very interesting. I don't want to spoil it, but I'm really curious what the second ending looks like, because it's probably very different. So that's mostly what I'm concerned with. If I can do that, I might go back a third time to see if I can platinum, because I think that's all it would take would be a third playthrough from scratch. So we'll see, but... I don't know if I'll be good enough to beat this last boss because uh, it, it really does require some perfect pairing. Like I said, I'm just not good at that, so we'll see. I hope that I can beat it once and then look up the other ending because like, that is all that I have in me for games. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for our first, the first part of our discussion on Lies of P. We'll be back next month in the middle of December with our complete thoughts on the overall package and uh, hopefully a much more positive take from both Burns and Casey. Thank you so much for listening to this standalone segment of Outside is Overrated. If you enjoy this content, please back our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. We'll be back next month to finish our discussion on Liza P. And then after that, we're moving to a new format with OIO Game Club where all of our patrons are going to be invited to play the games that we're playing with and be a part of the show. So this is kind of a trial run leading up to that. I hope that's a very positive thing. Thank you so much for listening to Outside is Overrated. Stay inside, kids. <laughs>